This is a 980 CKNW podcast. 6.46 on this Sunday morning. It is time to check in with Rick Forchuk. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. We've got a few movies to look at this morning, and we'll start with a Pixar film. Yes, The Incredibles 2. And Jill, it's been 14 years since Pixar uh, had the animated film The Incredibles, racking up lots of profits for the company. So that makes it a long, long time between sequels. Now, the theater in which my wife Betty Boop and I saw this film did not have a single child in it. It was all adults, even though one might think that this movie would be strictly kid stuff. Well, it's great for kids, but it's not just a kid's movie. As I watched the story spin out about this family of superheroes, I repeatedly forgot that I was watching animation, slipping into the story as though these were real people. Now, the thread here picks up immediately after the ending of the last movie in 04. And it wouldn't hurt to revisit that one again just for continuity, although it's really not necessary. Uh, Mr. Incredible, the voice of Craig T. Nelson, is the costumed superhero who, along with his super family, wife Elastigirl, voiced by Holly Hunter, daughter Violet, and little brothers Dash and Jack-Jack, are all facing a familiar theme, one that we saw in both the Transformers and the Avengers movies, as well as the Justice League movies. Superheroes have been outlawed because they do more damage to the city they're saving than would occur if the baddies just had their way. Now, the family is in hiding, along with their ally, Frozone, uh, voiced by Samuel L. Jackson, because they have to stay under the radar, making this the perfect opportunity for new villains, in this case, the screen slaver, to enter the picture. Now, he enslaves people by using their TV sets to hypnotize them, and soon the Incredibles are his targets. But who is he really? Now, as the story plays out, we aren't sure just who the bad people are, so it keeps us guessing all the time. And again, that helps us forget that we're watching animation. One of the funniest sequences in the movie takes place early on when Elastigirl takes on an assignment, leaving Mr. Incredible in charge of the kids overnight. Baby Jack-Jack has powers, too, unbeknownst to anybody, and an encounter in the backyard with a wandering raccoon is absolutely priceless, especially if you've had such an encounter in your own yard, and I certainly have. It's well-played, it's true to life, it's very, very funny. Now, this movie works for any age, so don't be embarrassed to use it as a night-out or a date-night movie if you have no kids to entertain. Uh, The rating is PG, that's The Incredibles 2. It's a lot of fun, Jill. All right, Uh, sounds like a good one. Uh, The next film doesn't work for every age. Not for every age. This movie is called Tag. And I have to tell you, the worst thing about this adult comedy, which should have an R rating, but uh, is not the questionable movie itself, but rather one of the trailers that accompanies it. Tag is rated R in the States. It's 14A here. And the trailer in question is an absolutely filthy R-rated look at Melissa McCarthy's upcoming movie, The Happy Time Murders. Uh, It's coming in August. This is one in which humans interact with Muppet-type characters. And even in the trailer, I guess because they're puppets, no holds are barred sexually. Um, The uh, Children's Television Workshop on Sesame Street are suing the distributors because the advertising and the promos, both on television and in theaters, are easy prey for children, and they deliver a horrific message. As for Tag, well, this one's based on an actual story of a group of friends who've been playing the same game of Tag for over 30 years, ever since they were children. One of the characters, uh, Jerry, played by Jeremy Renner, has never been it. Each May, the month that's dedicated to the game, uh, the person who's it at the last moment of the month wears that shame for the rest of the year. 
Well, the story here revolves around trying to get Jeremy, who's uh, chosen May as the month for his wedding, uh, to get tagged. There's a lot of physical comedy here. Some of it's very funny, but much of it very, well, R-rated. Not necessary for what could have been a funny premise, and it's just been smutted up a little too much. Uh, There's an audience for this stuff, I know, but even though early weekend numbers at the box office seem to indicate that this audience has not yet shown up, we'll see what happens when the final numbers come in. The closing credits show many of the real players engaging in some of the activities similar to what we just witnessed in the movie. Ed Helms and Isla Fisher also star. The rating is 14A, as I said for that one, Jill. That is TAG. All right. And uh, what about Superfly? Well, this one is a remake of the 1972 original. The story here sticks pretty close to that of the original, only the style has been ramped up a few hundred percentage points to accommodate the current gangster rapper lifestyle. Now, this is the story of a street hustler, Youngblood, played by Trevor Jackson. He's a cocaine dealer who wants to make just one more big score before he retires. Uh, like the original black exploitation movies from the 70s that spawned this, it's all about glamorizing the lifestyle of the streets, with one exception. Its director, known simply as X, has spent the last 20 years creating videos for such rappers as Drake, Rihanna, and Kendrick Lamar. And he brings that style to the film, making it appear like one long, ultra-violent video. Now, if you like the rap genre, you'll really appreciate this kind of rap scene. The movie will work well for you. It's well-made. It offers exactly what this market wants. It is an R rating uh, for violence mostly and language. That's Superfly, Jill. All right. Uh, let's move on over to uh, streaming devices. And what's on Netflix? Uh, Netflix has got Hail Caesar this week. It's from 2017, from last year. And I like this slice of old Hollywood in which George Clooney plays a not-too-bright movie star, making a film about Julius Caesar, in which he's the title character. It did not get very good reviews. It did not do well at the box office. But it's worth visiting now, if you haven't seen it before, just because it features a then-unknown Alden Ehrenreich as the character Hobie Doyle, an Audie Murphy-like person uh, making his first movie and becoming swept up in both the politics and the practicalities of the motion picture business. Aaron Reich's performance here was one of the keys to his becoming the new Han Solo in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, Josh Brolin plays Eddie Mannix. He's a fixer whose job it is when summoned by the studios who run the movie business uh, to fix whatever's going on. And often with uh, the loose cannon stars who are paid huge amounts of money for their looks, but not necessarily for their brains. Uh, the rating's 14A. It's an unusual movie. Uh, I quite liked it, though, Jill. All right. That one's Hail Caesar. Uh, I liked The Shallows. Oh, I did, too. This one is terrific. 2016, great summertime movie. Uh, Blake Lively is just superb here in this tension-filled story of a young woman named Nancy who's recently lost her mother to cancer. Mom was a serious surfer, and Nancy recalled her stories of a magnificent surf paradise in a hidden-away location in Mexico. As a show of respect and as a goodbye kiss to her mother, Nancy decides to deal with her own grief by finding the beach and by surfing on the same waters that were so meaningful to mom. As we see her with a hired driver travel for miles on back roads, finally coming out on the secluded beach with just two male surfers in sight and not another soul, we think this may become the story, a story of her being put upon by strangers in a remote place. That's not so. Soon the two guys are gone, and Nancy decides on just one more wave at the end of the day. When she wipes out, she runs into the carcass of a huge whale underwater and finds it's being tended by a great white shark. 
Nancy retreats to a rock protruding from the water about 200 yards from shore. It's her only refuge, but the tide is coming in, and so is the shark. This is a great thriller, 14A rating. It's The Shallows. Really like this one too, Jill. Yeah, that one was a good one. All right, we've got about a minute left. What's uh, happening on Crave and old-fashioned TV? Okay, Crave. Well, long title, interesting uh, film. Uh, it's a documentary. It's called If You're Not in the Obit, Eat Breakfast. It's from 2017. The host is Carl Reiner. It's an interesting documentary in which he tracks down other nonagenarians such as himself just to have a chat. That's people 90 or over. Reiner himself is 95 now. Included are interviews with Tony Bennett, who's 90, Mel Brooks at 90, Kirk Douglas at 101, and Marvel Comics co-creator Stan Lee at 95. PG rating. Uh, Television Shades of Blue, Jennifer Lopez, back tonight, season three, episode one of the acclaimed cop show. It is her last season. She's walking away because she wants to quit while she's on top. That is on Global tonight. Shades of Blue, Jill. All right. Uh, Lots out there. Rick, thank you so much. We will chat with you again next weekend. Thank you, Jill. That is Rick Forchuk. He joins us every Sunday morning, letting us know what's happening uh, in theaters as well as on the small screen. Uh, I've seen The Shallows a couple of times, which is a bit odd because it is a thriller, uh, but it is an interesting one. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's pretty good. And if you're afraid of sharks, it will not help you with that fear. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.